the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. You're back on the Maximum Lawyer Podcast with Jim Hacking. Tyson Mutrix, what's going on, Jimmy? Hey, Tyson, my man. I'm glad that we're getting this thing rolling. So today we're going to talk about the before unit, and this comes from our friends Joe Polish and Dean Jackson and the Eight Profit Activators. But Correction, it comes from your idol, Dean Jackson and Joe Polish. Yes, and we'll get to that a little bit later in the show because my hack is somewhat related to that. You might guess what it is, but... In any event, what we're talking about is how we get people to raise their hands and let us know that they are interested in our legal services. Now, I have been emailing back and forth with a fellow in France, and he reminds me that in France, lawyers cannot advertise for their services. And I know to someone like you, a young gun like Tyson, that is sort of unheard of, but I remember back when lawyers couldn't advertise. And I remember when I took First Amendment in law school, how the lawyers down in Florida challenged the bar's restrictions in Florida on lawyer advertising. So we're not just talking about lawyer advertising today, but I think it's interesting to see how far or how far down lawyers have gone since the ban on lawyer advertising was dropped. Yeah, and you're right. It is actually really odd to me Whenever I, I remember that Florida case, I don't remember the name of the case, but I remember reading it in law school thinking how absurd it was, the fact that you could not advertise. Every other profession advertises, whether you are a window washer or a doctor, it doesn't matter. Everyone else advertises. Something you and I have both learned, the financial industry has a lot more restrictions than we do, but it's still absurd that people could not advertise. I just, that idea is hard for me to even comprehend. I have sort of two thoughts on that. One is that it comes from a mindset, I think, that we still see from time to time, particularly with lawyers my age or older who view us as a profession and that we're sort of above selling or above trying to promote ourselves. And it's sort of from this mindset that the law is above it. And the other thing that comes to mind is that Lawyers have really abused that and have written, you know, we are our own worst enemies. And there have been some terrible ads. I mean, I think lawyer reputations have really gone down since they've been allowed to advertise. And I think that's because so many lawyers do it the wrong way. 
Yeah, and that's true. You're talking about the car crash uh, ones in particular, probably. That's one. Yeah. I, those are the ones I think of, and they're for some reason those are the most prevalent. You don't see people advertising for wills and estates or even criminal defense. You you you'd think you'd see more of those. And it's always a personal injury, and they're just terribly done. Just absolutely terribly done. And those are the ones where they go a little bit further and they, they make these outrageous claims sometimes. And there are even ones I've seen where people are throwing money around and it's kind of, can be kind of ridiculous at times. I think you're right. I think the biggest part of that is that they just, they've gone overboard with some, some of the advertisements. You know, the funny thing is, is that I don't really notice it when I drive around St. Louis, but when I go to out of town for immigration, like to Chicago or Memphis, and I don't know any of the lawyers on the billboards, then it seems like those billboards are everywhere. When we're here, we sort of are numb to it. We say, oh, there's, you know, there's Mark's billboard or there's someone else's billboard or there's someone's bus ad. But when you go out of town and you see the ads, I mean, some cities are more aggressive. The lawyers are more aggressive, too. So the one that I really noticed it, and you're right, it's Florida. But then also, and I don't know if you've ever been there. Actually, you, you recently went there, Vegas, Las Vegas. I see them everywhere. It seems like they and actually Vegas is the first place I saw where they had the phone numbers that were all the same, like all twos and all fours and all that. That was the first place I've ever seen those billboards, which at the time I thought they were really clever. Now that we have them in St. Louis, I'm like, yeah, there's two firms in St. Louis that have, you know, all threes and all twos. And so it's a big fight back and forth. But I thought that that would get a little word, a little, little, uh, more competitive in the market out here, but it hasn't grown on like it did out in Vegas. In Vegas, it feels like every number except for like nines or something like that were, were taken at once. I think all ones wasn't taken. It was like all twos, all threes, all fours, all fives, all sixes. Sevens, I think the nines weren't taken for some reason. So um, you're just you're just mad that you don't have a cool phone number. It's so expensive. I know exactly because I, I worked for one of those firms that has one of those numbers, and I know exactly what it costs. And so it's so outrageous. It's not worth the price. It's crazy. But I am jealous. To answer the question. I I would. I wish I would have had one of those numbers. But there's the, the price doesn't make any sense. Here's what we need to do. We're talking about the before unit. I think you need to put that in a little bit more context because we're talking about the before unit, during unit, and the after unit. Let, let's go through each one of those because the before unit is basically before you get the client. The during unit is your representation of the client. And you could put this into context with any business, but we're talking about clients. And then the after unit is after you've handled that case and any follow-up. Yeah. And then specifically what we're talking about today is that there are a lot of people walking around who may need our services. And our job is to identify those people and figure out where they gather and how do we get them to raise their hand and let us know that we're that they're here? And that, that's sort of the window that we're talking about today. In other words, from the unidentified masses to the people who may be interested in doing business with us. I took my kids to a museum in Kansas City at, right off Union Station, and there was this big fake dinosaur dig where they had all these little bitty asphalt pellets or rubber pellets, and that acted like dirt, and you could dust and dust off and find a fossil and that's how i sort of view this of how do we how do we dust off the masses and figure out the people who who may be interested in hiring us right and the first step is of that is is we've already talked about this in a previous podcast with niching down but the first thing is just narrowing down your niche picking that one thing to target and as, as dean jackson and joe Polish talk about is it's okay to have multiple types of practice areas. That's fine. But when you create an advertisement or you, you start targeting a specific type of case, you can only do one at a time. 
So whenever you see these advertisements out there that say uh, personal injury, criminal defense, DWI, employment, blah, 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 it doesn't do anything for you because they don't know, that person doesn't know, okay, what is this, what is this ad about? You know, what does this tell me? It doesn't tell you anything. So the first step is to pick that one practice area for you. It's immigration and you have effectively even gone even deeper. And I don't know what all the different terminology you use, but I know that even most recently you've done a set of videos or you put, you package that set of videos to target a specific type of client. And that was on the podcast with Dean Jackson. Right. So I think that one of the things to keep in mind is that our clients or our potential clients don't wake up in the morning thinking, how can I make Tyson a more successful lawyer? Or how can I make Jim better, do a better job at his firm? And I think that what they have instead is a problem that they need solved. And they don't care about all the other problems that you solve. They only want their problem solved. So when you market, like you said, car accident, bankruptcy, divorce, immigration, if you have all those things, all the rest of the things that they don't care about that's just sort of noise in the background and it distracts from what they want solved. And so if you view it from their perspective, as opposed to your perspective as the lawyer and view, you know, they want, they're, they're in a place of pain or discomfort or frustration and they want to get to the other side where they're done with that frustration and your, your message needs to be devoted towards that one specific thing. So for instance, even in a personal injury context, you know, you might have marketing or messaging that, that relates to a car accident, but people who slip and fall down the stairs at the Marriott, they don't care at all about car accidents. So every time you talk to them about car accidents, before they've hired you, then that's going to, you know, sound off message or off note. Absolutely. And, and from a practical standpoint, I, th I think what attorneys think they can do is if they advertise for everything, they really only know one or two things, but they think that, okay, if I handle the side will for them, they're going to, I'll be able to keep them in my drawer and I'll be able to really, they'll, they'll be, I'll be their attorney. And all it's going to take is for you to screw up one thing and they'll never come back to you. And so you've lost a good client forever. And let's be honest, lots of times that file, that you, that case that you don't really handle all the time, that will or that trust or whatever it is, it sits in your drawer forever. You don't do anything with it. You finally get it done. It's probably not a good product. And they, the client's going to see it and they're like, eh, is this guy as good as I thought he was? So from a practical standpoint, if you can hone in on the things you want to do and you're good at, you are then going to create a raving fan out of that client. That's that's a term that uh, Ben Glass uses, raving fan, that is going to then go out and tell other people about you. So instead of you losing that client down the road, you are going to then get more clients because that person is going to talk about you. They're going to give you positive reviews. There's a lot of different aspects to this. That it's not just, oh, I'm going to get, get this client and get all, their, get all their business about everything. You've got to look longer term about this kind of thing. And then... You were, you were also hinting at this, and this is uh, kind of the next thing, is getting them to contact you. So what we've done is we've decided to focus on one particular part of immigration law, and that is bringing a spouse or a fiancé from overseas to the United States. Those cases are fundamentally different than if the U.S. citizen is in the United States and the person needing lawful status is in the United States. So they're two very different cases. They're similar. In one case, Tyson has married someone from France, 
and that person is still in France and they need to be brought here. So they go down one path versus Tyson's in the United States and his wife is in the United States and Tyson and, and his wife want to stay together in the United States. So really, I thought that narrowing down within immigration to spouses was enough, but it's not because people who have a spouse overseas don't really care about people, the kinds of cases that people have spouses here. Damn, Jimmy, what are you doing over there? It's the, the lady watering the plants outside in the city. Sorry about that noise. This is, this is great. I, I love it. It's, it just uh, shows the real world. I guess. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, you're fine. So I want to focus more on the messaging. And I think that the messaging and that dissonance that comes up when you're talking about more than one thing, I think that most people can't take in information about three different kinds of law, three different practice areas. And so it's really important to focus. Here's the other thing. You can list all those things, but that doesn't mean you've created an effective ad. I mean, what have you, how have you then compelled them to contact you? I mean, what have you done to create something? Because that's something that you've got to make a compelling offer to them, right? Right. And so what kind of ad can you create that can compel them based on every practice area, Right. So first, you've got your book. What's the name of your book that you give away for free to clients? I have two. One is the denied book, the top 10 immigration mistakes that people make. And then the other one is the, the one for students called Staying Here. So the one with the students staying here, right? So if you had that book, you, that's your compelling. You, let's say you want to give that a book away for free, right? You, you can't put that in, a, in an ad and then cover every practice area, right? I mean, what's your book going to be? I mean... If you're going to make some sort of offer to them, it's going to be very, very hard. I don't know anybody that's been able to craft an ad. And Dean Jackson, Joe Polish, probably two of the best people in the world that create ads. I doubt they would be able to create some sort of advertisement that says that gets them, compels them to contact you because you've got to make some sort of compelling offer. So if someone can come up with one and let us know, that would be fantastic. But you've got to come up with some sort of compelling offer for whatever service you're targeting at that time. Well, and I think that too many people want to go from zero to a hundred all at once. You know, they, they, they call upon the ad to do too much. They want a, a super magic ad, the silver bullet ad that will take someone from sitting on their couch, thinking about who to hire for their car accident case and getting them signed up. They want the ad to do it all in one step. And I think that you really have to break it down and to think about it piece by piece. And, and the purpose of the book or the special report that you offer as a lead magnet is just to get people to raise their hand so you can start the conversation. You're not you're not trying to ask the ad to do too much. You're not asking the ad to, you know, seal the deal. You're just getting you're just taking it one step at a time. And the first step is to identify those people or have them self-identify. Right. Give them an example of, of what you're talking about, and I'll give them an example of what I'm talking about. Or what okay. I do. Things that you do and I'll, th- sure. I'll t- tell some things that I do. Okay, so two years ago, I gave a talk at St. Louis University Medical School, and I talked to a bunch of the doctors who are here on either F1 or J1 student visas, and I told them about this little book that I had written, which was basically my talk for international students. I turned it into a book, and a fellow who was there, he went to my uh, webpage, he downloaded that book, and he read it. So once that happened, that put him on a sequence where now every Monday he gets an email from me with sort of immigration news, news about our firm and news about my family. And now two years later, that fellow has 
um, married a U.S. citizen and came to see me and he said, you know, it was those emails that you sent me every Monday. That way he remembered me when the time came for him to need an immigration attorney. So, you know, that's sort of the step-by-step sequence where, you know, you're, you're giving away quality content, you're giving people information that's good for them, and that that starts the conversation that allows you to stay at the front of their mind when they think of your practicing. That's perfect. You've educated them and they are they contacted you when they were ready, right? They, they whenever that time came up where they they needed that, that that issue came up, they contacted you. And mine, I got a couple examples, but the first one would be the postcards I was doing a while ago back and I'm not going to tell you the secret sauce of how I was got the leads, but I sent out postcards and the I did two different variations. The first one was uh, and it was to criminal defense clients or pr- prospects. And it was the seven. I think the, the first one was the seven lies lawyers tell just to get your money. And then based upon your advice, I changed it to the seven things you need to know for hiring a criminal defense attorney, which you were right. It was more effective. But what it was, is it was, it was a I gave them a, a web address to go to. So they got the postcard. And then it was a web address to go to. They went to the web address. If they wanted it, it was a free offer and they downloaded it or didn't download it. They, they gave me their email and their name and then they received an email with the, the PDF attached to it. And then they, whenever they were ready or if they were ready, they were able to call me. In addition to this, something else that I stole from Joe Polish and D. Jackson, I let them call and, and listen to a free recorded message. And that gave them more information about the book that I sent them. And then it gave them an option of leaving me a message. Uh, they could hang up or they could be uh, forwarded to my office where then I could then answer any questions that they'd have. So that's one example. So they get the postcard, have the opportunity to get free information. If they read that book, they like it. And they could also respond to my email if they wanted to because that's they get it from me. And then whenever they're ready, they give me a call. And the response rate, I think, on that was between five to seven and a half percent, which is if you do direct mail, you know that that's a pretty good number. Um, it's, it's, I think the average is one to two percent, somewhere around there, which is a really low, low number. So it's a volumes game. Right. But so it was pretty effective. And then the other thing I do, which I've talked about before, is the Monday QA where I answer a variety of topics, but I make sure I let people know that I do personal injury criminal defense. So that whenever they're ready to contact me. So basically what it is, is they submit their questions to me on a landing page. I get their email address and their name so I can then market to them later on down the road. And they, they ask me their questions. I give them free legal advice, three of them a week on a video. But then I get people all the time where they send me a message through Facebook or they give me a call and say, Hey, I know, I know you only do personal injury from the defense. Can you answer this question? Or, Hey, I saw that you do personal injury from the defense. Can you handle this case for me? So the, those are both, all three of these things that we've, that we've just talked about, the thing, what you were talking about, the, the book that you have, all these things are very effective ways of educating them. And they know you as that guy or that attorney that does that type of, type of case. And then whenever that comes up down the road, it may not be right away, they'll contact us. And this isn't something where we're selling a product. So you have to be, in the top of mind whenever something happens to them. It's not, and I think that if the, the people, and this is a side note, the people that are, that could probably be most effective at selling a, a product uh, as an attorney would be 
a will or a trust or estate, something like that, because you can then you could find a way to drum up that business. But when it comes to personal injury or immigration, you don't need it till you need it. So it's one of those things where you have to educate these people long term so that they know that you're that person that does that. And so whenever it does happen to them, they'll know who to call. Well, and I think that's the operative word is long term, that what we're talking about here is the long play. I think way, way, way too many lawyers, especially in the personal injury context, focus 99% of their advertising on the time period immediately after the accident. And they assume that the person picks a lawyer in, you know, 36 hours. And sometimes they do. Sometimes they just go down the yellow pages, the phone line or or Google search and just call one after another and just keep keep doing that. So. I think that that's an important point. And, you know, I think the flip side of that is that too many lawyers give up too early when they're thinking about marketing and they don't think they, they assume that because they haven't heard back from the person in the first seven days that that's a bad lead or not someone that's thinking about hiring them. Well, that's why automation is so important. And we, we both do a lot of automation. And then I'll, just that just the example, the two examples I gave, and I don't know how you do it. I'm going to ask you in a second how you do it. But it's just the two examples I gave. I had follow-up sequences built in to those campaigns where if they if they got the email and didn't, let's say they didn't download the free report, or let's say that they did and never called me, there are follow-up sequences based on what their actions were, asking if they had any more questions. Um, the same thing with the Monday Q&A. After they submitted the Monday Q&A, I then have more follow-up emails sent out to them, You know, one thanking them and then offering to do a traffic ticket for free on to, uh, later on down the road. I mean, there's things like that that are built in there just because I know I know that the follow-up is important. What are some so of the stuff that you do? What I was going to say is I think that absolutely, I think follow-up is a whole other show and talking about automation, should, something we should talk about next week. The one thing I was going to say is that what all of this assumes, Tyson, that's very important that I think a lot of lawyers don't do is they don't necessarily even capture the people that contact them. So I think that if you start from a point of just trying to identify everyone who reaches out to your firm, I think if you, I think if you asked a hundred lawyers, can you tell me within 10 minutes time, the last, the, the names and contact information for the last 100 people to contact your firm in any form, I would suspect that less than 10% of lawyers could do that. I guarantee it. The mastermind that we did, I don't know how many months ago, no one, I mean, there, I think one person was able to tell us, he said he could tell us exactly what, what his, uh, what his leads were, how many clients he had or whatever. But other than that, no one else did. And I know you and I, I, at least I think you have it on your dashboard. I have mine on my dashboard. Sure. So I have my leads. What I've got is last seven days, last 30 days, last 90 days, and then last year. Uh, you may do it a little differently, but. So everything, every single thing that comes to the door, just our office knows you mark it as a new lead. And then as it gets down the funnel, they're marked as, you know, as a client or former client or whatever it is. But, um, all right. So let's play our favorite game. How many leads have you had in the last 30 days? In the last 30 days, I have had 65. <laughs> Boom, chakala. 148. God, I hate you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Whatever. Hey, listen, I'm fine with my number. I'm but listen, that's a great number. That's two a day. So listen, I think just getting back to basics and just that little thing, if, if anyone took anything else out of our podcast today, I think just making sure 
that you collect all the contact information from the people that reach out to you. I think that's going to put you in a much better position, maybe not right away, but in the long term, it's really going to pay off if you're doing regular follow-up with them. Well, and here's something that we just demonstrated, I think, and this is not scripted. Uh, I think some people may think, oh, these guys are full of shit. We could pull this number out. Of, I mean, we both had it pulled up when we're looking at it, right? Right. Because I think we both knew that was coming. So I didn't, I didn't at all. Did you already look at it? I, well, I, just, I, I put no, my I, dashboard up as, as we were talking. So that's why. Yeah, I had Infusionsoft up before we started. So that was easy. It is interesting how you're right. I mean, but it's, it's nice. Though. It, it's, it's something we could demonstrate. Listen, we, we do this. We, we know this stuff. It's not like we're just talking about it and right. don't know anything about it. So it's important to people know. And it, another thing we need to talk about at some point is key, key performance indicators, which are KPIs. That's something we need to talk about. We'll get to that. Again, that's another episode by itself. So. All right. So let's wrap up. Yep. All right. So my hack for the week is I did have the pleasure of appearing on a new podcast by, as you say, my hero, Dean Jackson. He's starting a new podcast. It's called More Cheese, Less Whiskers. And if you go to morecheeselesswhiskers.com or look for it on iTunes, you can find that episode. That's episode number one of the new podcast. He's going to do one a week where he talks to business owners and they brainstorm on sort of a lot of the kinds of things that we talk about here, mostly about how to you know, build your business. The Tyson's tip of the week is going to be, and I don't believe we have talked about this, but Pure Chat, uh, we both use it for our websites. Don't pay the company that calls you every week asking if you need someone to handle your chats for $300 down and 50 bucks per lead or whatever it is. That's ridiculous. You can do it on your own. It's probably better. You still do pure chat, right? It's $20 a month. And the last time I checked, which was several months ago, I had generated about $30,000 in legal fees off it. And it's something where you can get it on your desktop whenever you're on your computer, or you have it come to your cell phone, just like a text message. And as a, actually as a text message, but they have an app as well, where people get on your website and they ask you questions. And what happens is you answer the questions. You can assign it to one of your assistants, but... It's a much more effective way of getting that lead and then handing it off. And you can even link it up with Infusionsoft if you have Infusionsoft or other services where the lead is automatically put into your list of contacts, which is a very, very nice tool. So Pure Chat, and if you go to, I think it's pure, just purechat.com, you can get more information about it. You're right. It's 20 bucks a month, which is a very, very, very small fee for something like that. I'm a big fan of Pure Chat. I, I talk them up a lot on Twitter, and I actually met one of the development heads uh, at Icon, and they love this story that one time I was taking my boys to basketball practice, so I'm driving the car, and someone was chatting with me about a, a waiver case, about trying to get a green card even though he'd been here out of status, and so I'm driving down the highway, my son is typing in the Pure Chat, <laughs> the responses, until we get to the YMCA. <laughs> And I can park and safely continue the conversation, but that turned into a, a $3,500 case. So that was fun. Fantastic. Great example. All right, bud. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Sounds good. Have fun on your trip. All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your host and to access more content, more content. go to MaximumLawyer.com. Maximum Have a great week and catch you next time.